Welcome to Reveal, the Revenue Intelligence Podcast powered by Gong. We're your hosts, Devin Reed. And I'm Sheena Badani. Revenue intelligence is a new way of operating based on customer reality instead of opinions, making data-driven decisions based on facts instead of opinions or guesswork. And it's made up of three success pillars, people intelligence, deal intelligence, and market intelligence. You know, the things all revenue teams need and care about. Every week, we interview senior revenue professionals and share their stories and insights on how they leverage revenue intelligence to drive success and win their market. You'll hear how modern go-to-market teams win as a team, close revenue with critical deal insight, and execute their strategic initiatives, plus all the challenges that come along with it. So Devin, you've been in sales for many years, and over those years, you've probably had hundreds of one-on-ones with your manager. Am I right? Yeah, I think hundreds is the exact ballpark. (laughs) And now when you think of a one-on-one with your manager, what are some terms or descriptions or images that come up in your mind? Ooh, good question. I would say images are like, usually like in a small conference room, uh, just the two of us, which is something I actually miss, even though it doesn't sound so great at face value, but (laughs) Imagine, you know, you're kind of like, you know, you know it's uh, intimate, so to speak. Um, the way I would describe them, the first thing that came to mind was hit and miss. Mm. Hit and miss. I think there's, and it, it usually depended as I think back, like some managers I had, and I've had, you know, a good handful. And sometimes it was with my direct manager, sometimes VPs and sometimes directors. So my thought was like the hit or miss kind of depend on the manager. Uh, some managers were better at them than others. And, you know, by better, I mean, sometimes I left, you know, energized and feeling like I learned something and feeling like I had a really good coaching session. And other times it was, uh, you know, a little flat. And it, and if I think about why it's flat, it's usually because um, kind of more like relaying information, mm-hmm. you know, some, 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 uh, how I'm doing, I'm doing good. And then you kind of just dive right into pipeline and spending most of the time, catching up my manager on what's been going on and then hopefully spending some, some valuable time on how to strategize and move things forward. Yeah. I think it's like really common to walk into a one-on-one without any preparation, without a proper agenda on both sides and just kind of see how it goes because we're busy and we don't have time. We we know this meeting is on the calendar. We're just going to walk into it. We have it every week. We know each other. Let's just get into things. Um, but that may not be the way to make your one-on-one a hit, like you said. Yeah, absolutely. And I think too, like if you think of a salesperson's day, it's, you know, let's say you have six to 10 meetings, right? You're prepping for all of those meetings and you're thinking a lot about them. And so your one-on-one, I think often becomes the, oh, okay, I don't have to prep for this. I can just go jump in a room with my boss and we can just kind of chat or figure things out. Um, and then even as I said earlier, you know, it kind of depended on my manager. That's probably not completely fair. You know, it's not like the success of a one-on-one is only dependent on one of those people. Mm-hmm. Um, it is definitely on reps as well. And so, yeah, to, to your point and to what we got to talk about today in our interview, it, it really is mutual. And time spent prepping one-on-ones definitely made them more worthwhile. And like I said, leaving feeling a lot more energized and like it was time well spent. Yeah, 100%. So today we, we talked to Dana Feldman. She's the head of enterprise and mid-market sales at Amazon. And all we talk about is how to run effective one-on-ones. Um, I think it's super insightful. There's a lot of tips that you can take away. So get your notepads 
and pens or your iPhones ready to take a few notes on this one. Um, I thought there was a ton of great uh, insights that she uses every day at Amazon as she manages her team. I, I admitted to having been in hundreds of one-on-ones and yet I still learned a lot from, from Dana. So yeah, I was excited uh, having talked to her and, and really wishing I'd heard this interview about five years ago. <laughs> exactly. So with that, let's get into the conversation with Dana. Dana, welcome to Reveal. We're super excited to have you here today. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. So before we get started, can you give us a quick overview of what you do at Amazon? Yeah, I, um, I currently head up the mid-market and enterprise team uh, at Amazon Business, focusing on the hospitality, real estate, IT, and business products and services sub-verticals. It's terrific. Not, not a small feat by, by any means. And you're covering a lot of ground. <laughs> a lot of ground. Yes, absolutely. But it's pretty fun. And Dana, one of your passions is helping customers reach that aha moment something I always love to find myself, uh, the kind of insights that help them transform their business. Can you describe a recent aha moment that you've had mm-hmm. in your own career? Um, yeah, I can. It, it isn't so much related to an, an insight, so to speak, but um, you know, recently we went through a training around mindset and uh, there was this really interesting kind of bumper sticker uh, phrase that got shared with me that uh, pressure is a privilege. And the context that it was shared uh, was around this idea of professional athletes and how much pressure is on them to perform and when they go to the Olympics or when they go to the Super Bowl and those sorts of things and what a privilege it is to have that. But I loved that framing and that lens. I had never thought about it in that way. And I think uh, it's incredibly applicable to the sales profession. Everything we do is about the pressure to hit the, you know, hit these numbers. And in particular, as we're closing out our years, I thought it was just such a nice reframe of how to think about that pressure. Um, and so that was a real aha moment for me that it's a lens I had never had before. So, uh, yeah, I, I absolutely loved it. I love that as well. I've gotten into that mental habit recently where when I feel the pressure mounting, right. And, you know, kind of reminding myself, mm-hmm. I wouldn't really have it any other way. Like if you took away the pressure, if I didn't have these opportunities, would I be happier? Cause that's always an option. Immediately, I'm like, no, no, loss aversion kicks in. I'm like, no, I actually love this. And I think sometimes it can also take away when we get a little nervous for really big opportunities around the corner, things that are coming up, reminding ourselves that uh, you can actually turn that into excitement because these are really, really positive things and good opportunities to challenge ourselves. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I actually, I think as leaders, I think the best leaders are, are heat seekers, you know, so they're they're going for those like big pressure moments. And then I also just think it's, it's interesting. I mean, so many of us in, in the sales profession have no idea how we ever started out in this profession. But one thing that I think is really common is we all love that pressure. There is a, we, we seek it and, and it's that heat seeking of like, I got to hit this target, this number. We, we get amped about it. We want it. Um, and I don't know that you can say that about a lot of other professions, um, so I think it's one of the really cool and unique things uh, about uh, being a sales professional. And um, yeah, I, I welcome the privilege, definitely. So you recently wrote about why organizations should invest more into mental coaching and feedback for sales professionals. Mm-hmm. Wanted to get your perspectives on what it really takes to run an effective one-on-one. Um, it, it does seem to be a bit of a tri- tricky topic for both reps and managers. 
Yeah, I love this topic about one-on-ones for so many reasons. And I think, you know, first of all, there has never been a more important time to think about um, the importance of one-on-ones. You know, in the, in this past year and what everyone's gone through, um, there has to be a well-thought-out um, touch base point with your teams and on a good cadence, right? So, so on a weekly cadence, if not for anything else in these times, then to check in on mental health, right? So I'll, Mm. I'll start there. And just like in these times, like they need that connection point with you uh, for you just to see how they're doing. So that that's one part of it. I also think that this topic comes up a lot with new leaders. um, And then it also can come up a lot. Sometimes if you have, uh, some reps that you're either dissatisfied in the role or, or they're looking for more feedback. And I often find what, what has happened. And I found myself in this position when I became a first time leader was like, okay, well, as a rep, I used to do one-on-ones with my manager. Now I'm a manager. I'm just going to keep doing one-on-ones, but I don't really know why we're doing this. And like, I don't really know what the point of the one-on-one is. And I haven't really put much thought into like, what is it that we could be getting out of this weekly meeting? And so I actually think um, not a lot of thought goes into one-on-ones. And I I think where it gets even more interesting as a leader is uh, I sort of have this point of view that, you know, when when our reps and and even if we're co-selling with them, when we go out to have that big deal call, it's hours of prep, right? And, and mutual agreement on agenda and we're role playing and we're getting ready and we're doing research on the people involved. And we bring all this, uh, all this insight and this, in this information and, and just an incredible amount of preparedness for that meeting. And then when you think about it, the people that we lead are responsible for driving our revenue. And I think a great question for managers is, how much are you preparing for those meetings with your team that is responsible for driving that revenue? And why is there such a, an off balance in terms of how much we prepare for that client meeting, but how much we are preparing for the internal client meeting, right? Cause in a way I, I look at my, my leaders that report to me and the reps that report to them as my clients. And it's like, there's such a discrepancy between that. And so I think it's just tricky in that not a lot of thought goes into them, but I also think if you, if you even just kind of calculate out the dollars behind it, you know, a weekly meeting for an hour of both a sales leader and a sales rep, it's pretty expensive. And so it's like, well, are we really putting enough thought into like how we're going to use that time to make sure we get the most out of it? So um, I I love this topic because I I don't think it's enough of a topic. And yet I think first time leaders find themselves doing it just because that's something they've always done. Reps find themselves doing it because it's been expected of them, but they don't know necessarily how to navigate it. And I think that there can be an incredible win-win on both sides um, with some structure and some thought behind it. I love that. I love your perspectives on the importance of one-on-ones. You talked a little bit about um, the necessity for managers to prepare in advance of the one-on-ones. Mm. What responsibility does the rep have to come prepared? What should they be doing to get ready for the one-on-ones with their leadership? Let me kind of break that out into two two separate buckets because one of the things that I think gets missed from uh, a leadership lens with one-on-ones is 
looking at it as just a meeting. And I think the shift that needs to happen is as a leader, you have all these things that you're responsible for. And a one-on-one with, as a frontline leader, a one-on-one with a rep is one of your most important inspection points of your business. And so it is part of your mechanism to make sure that you are going to deliver and do what your team says they're going to do, what they they need to do. And so I think that there has to be this shift in leaders looking at it as a meeting and instead looking at it like as a really important part, inspection point or part of their business. Um, And so with that, I think that there's a, a lot of responsibility on the managers to come prepared. And I, I have some thoughts around like how to structure them and things so that it, it makes it easy for managers to come prepared. But um, I also think that your reps want you to come prepared um, and they want to know you're invested in them and that you're bringing some insights about their business so that they can walk away feeling invested in and that, and that you have really specifically honed in on them. So um, there is, there's a level of being prepared from a leader. I think, from the rep side, equally, they need to come prepared to the one-on-one because they should be leaving every one-on-one getting something out of it. And I think a, a couple of things happen from the rep's perspective. Um, one, I think there has to be the relationship between the leader and the rep of, of it being psychologically safe. Uh, and so I think that leaders should inspect their, their one-on-ones that they're having. And are they really getting into good conversations around deals? Are their reps asking them for advice? Are they able to play devil's advocate? Um, are they uh, actually helping their reps to find insights about their business? If that's not happening, then maybe a pause needs to go on those things. And we need to figure out, like, do we have the right trust and, and, and safety in that relationship to have a productive one-on-one? So I, I think that's an overarching thing that's really important in these. Um, but the second piece is that, you know, I know a lot of leaders who require their reps to send them an agenda before the one-on-one. And if they do not send them the agenda, then a, a manager, I, I've heard this in the past, like won't have the one-on-one. And so I think that is a little harsh, but I think that um, setting expectations up front around how we're going to use this hour, what what the leader wants to get out of it, what the rep wants to get out of it. And yes, every week there will be things that change. And then every week there should be some set things that everyone knows they're going to hone in on for those things that are going to change every week. That's where I think it opens it up for the ability to have a mutually agreed agenda that, that, that will change. So, Hey, a couple of days before, um, the rep can send it to the manager and say, I want to make sure we cover these two or three things, anything super pressing on your end. And the manager responds and says, yes, I want to add one more to that list. And that is on top of kind of this step bucket of things that you guys will always review in the one-on-one on a weekly basis. What you said about these meetings being expensive and then sometimes to often, <laughs> depending on the person, team, uh, rep, you know, you leave with, uh, what did I really get out of that, right? What, what did I really just spend that last yep. hour for? I, I'd love to break that down a little bit more, Dana. Are there any themes maybe to always cover or things like, Hey, one-on-ones are not meant for this other thing. Um, my, my Mm. aim here is to better understand, you know, for reps and leaders listening, what can they do, you know, respectively to prepare for these meetings. So they leave those one-on-ones, you know, energized and, you know, feeling really accomplished. Yeah. So uh, a couple things on that, I think, um, in terms of what not to cover in a one-on-one, 
or where you have room to say, hey, I'd love to parking lot that for another time is this. I don't think this weekly cadence of a one-on-one is where you uh, where you throw in a career discussion, right? I think that is a very separate uh, piece, and it's one that um, every both parties need to put a lot of thought into, and even uh, potentially fill out some questions and some thought-provoking questions and that sort of thing. So, so I don't think that is part of this like weekly one-on-one. Um, I also think that setting this agenda, this mutual one, uh, a little bit in advance, make sure that no one's caught off guard. So, and what I mean by that is there might be thing, things reps want feedback on, or they want your point of view on, or they want to know. And it's things that maybe you as a leader need to put some thought into before you actually give the answer, have that conversation. So, so I think that's why it's so important to, to include that agenda. In terms of things that you should always include, I think that is uh, one of the most important questions that a leader needs to ask uh, about their business. So I'll give, I'll give you a couple of pieces that run through my head and a couple of things that, that I've done in my one-on-one. So um, there's always kind of the, as a sales leader, I'm speaking right with these one-on-ones, there's always this part where, um, all right, I need to inspect with this rep uh, my business. And the three ways that I generally bucket that is um, around operational rigor. So what are all those pieces that um, I need to make sure are happening or we don't have any gaps, there's not any warning signals. So for example, uh, knowing like, hey, these two deals in your pipeline, we haven't talked to them in two weeks. Or hey, we don't actually have power decision-making on this. I can see this in your notes and uh, in the system. Um, the, hey, uh, this is a past due opportunity. Just that operational rigor is a piece that I need to inspect with, with my teams or that a frontline leader needs to inspect with their reps just to make sure that like the house is in order and, and uh, we're kind of buttoned up to make sure that we're going to deliver on what we are. So, so that's one bucket. I think the second bucket, and this tends to be the biggest part of one-on-ones with reps, which is okay, is around uh, deals or pipeline review. But I, I think a lot of times uh, we wing it in these one-on-ones. We're like, okay, let me pull up your pipeline. Let me pull up uh, the deal board and gong. Let me look through there and review these. And for the first time, the leader is seeing that, like, there's a warning signal on that deal. Or, and I think we have to, we have to be, a, we just have to have a, be a bit more prepared and look at these things in advance um, because, if you don't, what you leave it to is this. You say, okay, well, how are you feeling about your month? And the rep will be like, really great, going to hit my number. It's all looking good. And you're all you're taking kind of all their subjective uh, opinion as the data for your business. And I think we need to move away from that and instead as leaders come prepared with some insights from the systems we're using and also ask the reps to come prepared with some insights um, from the systems they're using as well. And I think uh, it's never been easier to have those insights, you know, whether uh, it's CRM, it's Gong, you know, that you're using these, like it's incredible the tools that we have today to, to be able to pull those. So I think it's a lot around deals. And then the other bucket when I think about running my sales business is around um, creating pipes. So the prospecting piece, right. And so what are the, the pieces to that? But um, filling those three buckets, you know, we always have KPIs as sales leaders, uh, and it's always an interesting discussion among sales leaders uh, whether or not the KPIs are really hitting 
uh, what matters. And so one of the questions that I always ask my leaders is I say, um, it's Friday, you've just ended a week. How do you or how does a rep know if that week was thumbs up, thumbs down or meh? And um, what I think that question triggers is what really are like the two to four things that we need to be measuring both at a leadership level and at a rep level that really are going to move the needle on our business, but also that are going to keep the cadence of our business. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll give a great example. If, I, if I'm running an SMB business, if I'm a frontline leader in SMB business, that question becomes a little bit easier to answer because generally you're winning deals at a faster clip, right? So how do I know I've had a good week? I've won this many licenses or this many deals, right? It's, it's, it's a little bit simpler, but as you go up market and you're looking at enterprise teams, um, they're not winning deals at that clip. However, things that I think are really important at that clip are things like, Hey, did you identify the five stakeholders in that, in that big account? Right. Hey, did we actually uh, find a mobilizer in that account? And when I'm an enterprise rep and I end my week and I look at my, my portfolio of accounts, um, the things to me that let me sign off on a Friday and give a thumbs up to myself are a lot of those little pieces that are eventually going to make the big deal happen. And I, I don't know that the KPIs that we measure on, which is a lot around creation and close of pipeline are always the right things to give that leader and that rep that signal. So I think leaders answering that question to themselves and and even asking the rep, when you end your week, how do you know that you've had thumbs up, thumbs down or a meh week? Not a lot of people can answer that, but if the manager and the rep can come together and figure out the answer to that and say, okay, well, you know what? Those are the things that I want us to talk about and really measure and come to the one-on-one prepared with every week. Are you cool with that? Yeah, that would be really helpful. Um, I think that's really important in terms of like what is necessary in a one-on-one. So you asked me like what not to cover, what should you always cover? And then I do often think that as we go into one-on-ones, I think reps can feel like it's rapid fire to them sometimes. Like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know a heap of reps that go in like, I can't wait for my one-on-one, right? Or they walk out of the one-on-one and they're like, yeah, like that was awesome. Right. And and that's what I mean by like, I think we've gotten in this bad habit of just running one-on-ones as they've always been. And I think getting some input from your reps on what they want to get out of it can help move it in a different direction. Um, but I also think that managers have to be careful, although I've said it's a really important inspection point of your business, it can't only be about inspection. It can't only feel like that to the rep because that's not valuable to them. And then also I think it's okay for the reps to know that it's an inspection point of the business, tell them it is, but also tell them what to expect and what they need to be prepared for so they don't get caught off guard with anything. Um, I think that's really, really important before you go into the one-on-one as well and to set that structure. Running effective one-on-ones can be challenging for both reps and managers. We need to prepare for our internal meetings just like we do for our external client meetings with customers if we're going to expect results. Why is all this time and effort worth it? To put it simply, because coaching works. 
Sales coaching and mentoring is considered a frontline manager's most important role, according to 74% of leading companies. But most managers spend less than 20% of their time on proactive sales coaching. And 31% of sales leaders coach each of their reps for less than 30 minutes each week. Yet, investing more time into coaching can make a pretty big difference for reps' performance. Sales reps who receive at least two hours of coaching per week achieved a win rate of 56% as opposed to just 43% for those who received 30 minutes or less. That means there's a huge opportunity for sales organizations to improve their coaching strategy and make a substantial impact on their numbers. Stay tuned to the micro action at the end of the episode for tips to help you level up your coaching game. You know, you mentioned kind of this uh, emotional feeling that reps get before they may walk into a one-on-one. Like they're, they feel like they're going to get interrogated. They're nervous. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe their their palms are sweaty. <laughs> what makes the one-on-one a challenge for for reps, particularly, and and for some managers as well? I don't think any of us like going into a meeting either not knowing what to expect. Uh, it not having um, the same rhythm or structure to it. So at least like I'm prepared to answer questions. I mean, I guess overall it's like the rep doesn't want to feel unprepared or feel like they're going to get called out on something they're not thinking about. And so I'm like, let's just get that off the table and just be super transparent about what we're going to, what we want, what we want to dig into. And I, and that's the, also the point where I think like, the responsibility is on both parties to set the agenda before. And if a manager is spending the time to pull the insights, if they perhaps are pulling an insight that is going to be constructive or maybe the rep's not going to be stoked about, give them the heads up before, right? Like say, hey, I was looking through and I noticed uh, this on a deal or I saw like these warning signals. I really want to talk about those in our one-on-one tomorrow and looking forward to that. So that way – again, the rep is not caught off guard. Um, and so I think that that is like the really tricky piece, but I, where I have seen one-on-ones really pivot into this amazing partnership is both from, um, the structure, like being prepared, having the agenda, but where the manager views also the time to be spent as a way to help collaborate with the rep on the deals, on how to build more pipeline. And they come with ideas and suggestions and even ask for the permission to say, hey, um, you know, you just walked me through this deal and and you're telling me there's not, it's it's happening. This thing's like, this thing's closing tomorrow, 100%, no issues. Do you mind if I play devil's advocate a little bit and let's just like bounce off here? And asking for permission then to start going in and kind of asking those questions that you, that have popped up. And as an experienced leader, you know, and you want to ask, but you kind of, you have to get the permission so that they don't feel like you're interrogating them on it. So I think there's just different ways to kind of frame it up as well. Listeners can't see me nodding profusely uh, when you said, you know, can I, can I play devil's advocate here? Um, Without that, it feels like doubt immediately right it's like and maybe you're a seasoned rep you've been on the team Mm. for three years you're hitting quota and you know the manager's like you know uh starts poking holes you could get defensive but when you put that little uh you know that little warning label on what's coming next another one i it works really well another one i really liked is okay let's let's play devil advocate like me and you on the same team why would this deal not close tomorrow because mm-hmm. now what you're doing is doing a critical mm-hmm. thinking exercise, not 
you know, defending your deal and why you know what you're doing and why you're good at your job. Uh, so, so I love that. Um, all the emotional things you've talked about, Dana, for a one-on-one, I've experienced as a rep a uh, hundred times. So you're just speaking mm. my language right now. The interrogation, no one enjoys. I don't think anyone even likes doing the interrogation. Mm-hmm. I always loved coaching and deal strategy. That's when I left the one-on-one. Like, mm-hmm. I learned something. I'm, 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 watch out. Next phone call. Like, I'm on point. I would love to hear from you what your method of call it feedback, call it coaching, is to ensure that it's well received. You know, as we kind of just talked about defensiveness, and also maybe how you kind of track. You know, did Devin do it? not just on his next call, but the week after and the month after that. And now it's actually, you know, a skill he's keeping with him. Yeah, I love that. And I think, too, uh, that doubt piece that you talked about um, in one-on-ones, you know, I I think being really transparent and public that you're going to cover the same things in everyone's one-on-one on your team takes away that rep, takes away from the rep feeling like, are they just doing that with me because they've got doubt in my ability or that, you know, so I think so you true. said it and you let the team know, right. I think it's so important because then it takes away all that, that talk in the rep's head that, that you're doubting them. So um, I, I love that comment. Um, in terms of um, how to do coaching so that it's, it's well received. Um, you know, I, I think that first and foremost, it starts out with your intent. And I think you've got to be really, really uh, honest and honest with yourself as a leader around like, what is your intent with, with this coaching? I I think often, and and this is more like first time leaders, but um, they want to weave something else into the coaching and that's where the intent can get a little muddy. So I think if you, it, it, if you step back and you're like, wait a minute, okay, I want my rep to hit their number and, and just kill their number this month. Right. Um, that's my intent. And you kind of open it up uh, to the rep in that way. And you say, Hey, um, here's where you are to your number. I think every, you know, it's looking really great and I cannot wait to see you kill it this month. Um, in kind of reviewing your business, there's a few key pieces that, that kind of stuck out to me. And I'd love to just kind of collaborate with you on those, talk through them, get your feedback and let's just kind of role play this together as we go through it and see where we can get right. And, and that is where you are teaming up with them. But I think you also have to really step back as a leader and not already have a conclusion drawn in your head about whatever it is that you want to coach them on or your feedback. You, you've really got to be genuinely curious about these key pieces of their business that you want to ask them questions about and that sort of thing. And then the other thing with this coaching and feedback is like, you know, cognitive overload is, is such a thing that happens uh, in our world today. And I think one to two things, Max, like we cannot conquer all. And so I always, you know, tell my leaders as they're going to the ones like, just pick one thing, one thing that you're seeing that you want to give the rep feedback on. And then to your point, Devin, um, and, it, and it's something I believe in, like you give the feedback. So maybe it's, um, Hey, uh, you talked on that call 70% or 80% of the time, right? And the talk time of you versus the customer is really important. We want, you know, to kind of pay more attention to that and, and you kind of hone in on that area. Um, I think uh, what generally happens is the rest like, if, if it's a good relationship, they go, oh, thanks for pointing that out. That's a, that's a really good way to point out. And you can give them tips, right? So, hey, you know, tap your desk just to remind yourself. I mean, there's all sorts of little things, but 
what happens generally is, is you leave that one-on-one and like as the leader, you kind of pat yourself on the back and you're like, okay, I gave them feedback in that one area. Like, cool. And the, and the rep leaves and they're like, all right, I, I heard that feedback. And then it goes nowhere. Right. Then it's like, well, how do you actually know that they implemented that feedback? And so it's this, it's this really interesting concept of like good intentions and that good intentions just fail if you don't have a mechanism to actually track it. And so I think today, and I, I mentioned this earlier, like the systems that we have access to, to be able to do this is so incredible. And in particular, um, you know, this is where Gong comes into play. We're so much of where we coach our reps on in terms of their deals and their sales cycles. We've never been able to capture whether they take that feedback and change it as they engage with the customer. And now we can't. So now if the manager is going to give the feedback on talk time, okay, great. Well, then now it's on the manager and the rep to go and evaluate the rep's next three calls and really look at that talk time. But I think it's important that before you leave that one-on-one, the manager says, hey, glad you heard me on that. Let's, let's really focus on that over the next couple of weeks. So for our next one-on-one, this is what I'd like to do. I'd like to look at three calls from next week that you're going to have and let's go and look like I'll be digging into the talk time of those and really want to see where you've gone with it and get your feedback. And so that way the reps like, great, I know where we're going with this. I know what you're going to look at. And I, I know how we're going to kind of evaluate what progress I've made. You mentioned a sense of established accountability, not just expectations for what we're going to cover right now in the coaching, but I'm going to give you you know, some kind of high level feedback, we, you know, use talk time as an example. I'm going to tell you, Devin, you can mute yourself, right? When you're done talking, mute yourself. That way you have to physically act on it to talk. It's a good indicator. I've done it many times. Um, and yeah. then you're saying, and then we're going to review a couple calls week over week in the future to see how you've been implementing it, which at least to me and most people, and I think a lot of salespeople, that's like a fun challenge. Like, okay, Dana, I'm going to come back to the next one-on-one and you're going to see 70% or 60%. And then in a month, I'm going to take it upon myself to get to, you know, that golden 50-50. So no, I just, I just loved it. It was great. One of the things that you talked about, which kind of uh, struck a chord with me was unifying the one-on-one so that it's a level playing field for everyone on the team, that one person doesn't feel like they are called out that's another rep may be getting it easy because they're buddy buddies with their manager however i think there is some role for adaptation and molding the one-on-one to a given rep you know based on personality type based on how they learn what perspectives do you have on that adaptation of one-on-ones yeah when i talk about putting a structure to one-on-one and sharing that across the team and being transparent and invisible around that um, that is often around, hey, I'm going to be, just so you know, before everyone, I'm going to be looking at these certain metrics and numbers for every rep, right? Because I think that takes away that nervousness that like, did, did my manager just look at that metric on me because maybe I'm not doing something well there, right? So I think it's about setting, setting that and being transparent, putting that structure in place. What happens off the back of that, though, is that uh, each rep is going to be performing differently in those me- metrics. So that's going to guide the conversation in the different directions. And I think that is where it allows for the adaptation in terms of them as an individual where, Hey, I've got one rep who builds pipeline all day long, every day. That is not where I need to dig into them with, but Hey, in, in this bucket of, 
uh, perhaps forecasting, like this is where I actually, something isn't smelling right in terms of what they're telling me they're going to bring in and what I'm seeing. So I'm going to dig in there. But if those, if those buckets exist for everyone, then it's a fair level playing field for everyone to expect. And then depending on where they're performing, you dig in. I think though also that is just part of the one-on-one, right? So I don't think you should use the whole hour for everything, like in terms of those metrics and what the manager wants in terms of the inspection piece, right? Um, There's also this piece of um, what the rep wants to talk about. So that's them sending that to you in advance. So that certainly is um, adapting it for them. And then I also um, really believe in – interestingly enough, just starting the conversation, like once you have the structure in place, the the rep knows you're going to cover these couple things, every one-on-one, right? But sometimes I I think some of the most powerful one-on-ones just start with like, Hey, what's top of mind for you? And you know, the rep answers. And then there's like a series of questions that you can kind of um, follow up with just to say, to get a feel for like, where's their head at and where's their mind at. And I think in, this year that's been more important than ever because I've kind of with some of my leaders, I've been, I've gone into one-on-ones like hot and ready to go with like what it is that I want to cover in my structure. And I've kind of said, you know, wait a minute, Dana, pause. Hey, what's top of mind for you? And it is something so monumental and big, either outside of work, something that's in a personal life or even something monumental in work that needs to us to first, we need to clear that or even maybe it becomes inappropriate to cover what we typically do because of what else is going on. So I I think that's a really important human connection just to be like, what's top of mind for you? And then the other piece is um, to kind of adapt them. I don't know with how fast we all move in, in in this day and age and all the responsibilities on leaders and reps. I don't know if it's realistic to expect leaders to adapt one-on-ones differently to every single person Mm -hmm. um, by that, by that person's personality. I think that is like, that's hard. That's, that's even more prep. Right. But I do think a great framework to think about your teams in that can simplify it is around introverts and extroverts on your team. And one of the pieces to that is like, for example, with introverts, they want to know the agenda ahead of time. They want to know the structure. They want to know what they're going to get asked so that they can actually have the time to think about it. Right. So like putting those things in place definitely addresses it for the introverts. Um, leaving the space in a one-on-one to say like, what's top of mind for you? Hey, what, what's something you want to bounce off me? Kind of more of those on the fly things. Um, that is certainly something like a lot of extroverts love, right? They want to jump in whatever's the hottest topic of that minute. And often, even if they sent you an agenda the day before something happened that absolutely they want to talk about. Right. And, um, I think, um, at one point in my career, I had an executive coach and before we would start our sessions, uh, she'd always say to me, okay, what is just like consuming your mind right now? What is like the one thing that you just cannot get out of your mind? And so I would, I would tell her and she would say, okay, how does that make you feel? Like what's the feeling you associate with it? So I'd be like, I'm just, I'm, I'm so excited or I'm so frustrated. And she'd say, great. And she'd say, and then she'd say, okay, can we take that? And can we now put that outside of the room? Are you okay to put that outside of the room to let us go and focus on this? And I think often, um, you know, a lot of extroverted reps have a lot of those in the moment feelings and you, it's good to kind of parking lot those out to then be able to say, all right, let's shift and let's get into more of like, 
um, the business discussion where appropriate. I muted my laughter because I didn't want to interrupt your flow, Dana, but I am clearly an extrovert by your definition because I'm the person who has the agenda. I'm highly organized. I know exactly what I want to talk about, but also you need to know what happened in my 1130 meeting or maybe even just something that happened on the way to work. Uh So yes, you've, you've described me quite well. Yeah. So funny. And I was well, and I know- nodding my head for the introvert description. I'm like, that is me. I need to know mm-hmm. what we're going in with. I need to prepare. Mm-hmm. I don't love thinking on the spot. I like to go in advance, like ready to know what I'm going to talk about. Um, so uh, it's, it was, yeah. uh, it was interesting. And I know, like, well, and I know how I describe them is not how I would define introverts and extroverts. I just happen sure. to know that those are certain characteristics that apply to the two different types. And so you've got to kind of leave room for both and prepare mm-hmm. as best as possible for both. Uh, and that's, that's how I feel you, the best way to adapt one-on-ones to different personalities when you're running large teams, because it, otherwise it's very hard to do it on such an individual basis and still have it be productive. I'm really glad you, you said that. I've, I've heard it before. I've heard people say, you know, you should personalize per, you know, your approach per person and, Others say you shouldn't. Um, it just seems to be a daunting task, you know, and it just leaves a lot of room for inconsistencies, which, like you said earlier, exactly. oh, oh, you know, our, our VP asks you uh, for devil's advocate. You know, I don't get asked that. It's like, oh, well, then what does that mean? And then you know how that spiral can go. So uh, w- one example of, of many, I'm sure, but uh, very good advice. Yeah. Uh, Dana, I don't think I'm exaggerating when I say this is the most insightful coaching I've ever heard when it comes to one-on-one. It's been phenomenal. And so we're going to wrap up with the question that we ask all of our revenue leaders that join Reveal, which is how would you describe sales in one word? And you can hyphenate one-on-one if you want and count it as one. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hyphenate just to get two words in, even though it's not even going to make sense with the, the hyphenation. <clears throat> but um, I would say transferred enthusiasm. Interesting. Transferred enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. We're getting mm-hmm. more hyphenated answers, which I like because mm-hmm. people are getting creative uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and putting some new <laughs> equations together. So that's great. And I think it reflects well with what we covered today. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I would just say I, I, two other things just to mention quickly is, you know, I, I, whether we ever get back in person or not, but as we're in this remote world, you cannot multitask during a one-on-one. And I, I think all of us, when we're looking at our screens and we're looking at the videos, we know when those eyeballs move to the second monitor to look at the email that just popped up, right? Or the, or the, the, the you know, instant message that just popped up. And I don't know about you guys, but like that kills my heart. Like when I, when I want someone's attention and I see their eyeballs go out and, and, and you can see it. So don't think that you are like a maverick with it because every, like every human can see it. And so just shut everything off and be really focused in. And then, um, the other thing I didn't mention was, um, I think it's really important to have a very easy mechanism to capture some notes and just little tidbits from a one-on-one. And I think people overdo this and they create so much work for themselves. I I think it's really important to make sure that, that in the structure you say at every one-on-one, the last five minutes um, is what we're going to use just to make sure we've logged any notes or any action items, just tidbits. And I love to just do it on a web-based spreadsheet. It can be in like, um, you know, shorthand it does not need to be these long sentences but I have a column that says 
um, Dana's actions. I usually have a column for my leader's actions or the rep's actions. And then I have a column for just other. And that's just kind of like other things that came up, topics, things we talked about, right, that we just want to notate. And then that way we keep a running tab of this through the whole year. And I think that's important both so that as you get back into the one-on-one, you can hold each other accountable for any of the action items. But also from time to time, you'll look back and be like, hey, we brought up that topic a month ago and, you know, we didn't, we didn't go further into it. And I think that really shows the rep that you care, you're invested, you're paying attention. Maybe we don't cover everything all the time, but like, let's go back and review it. So I, I didn't mention that, but I think that's just one last piece I think is really important to effective uh, one-on-ones and capturing the, the action items and the notes from them. The same as you would with a client, right? The follow-up. It's been such a great conversation. I have taken away so many tips of how to maximize the impact of one-on-ones on my team and how to think about one-on-ones strategically and, and plan for them and make sure that everyone's getting the most out of them. This has been really tremendous. I'm sure our listeners um, are also taking away a lot of great tidbits uh, for, their, for their daily lives. Well, thank you. I, I hope it was, it was helpful. It was so fun. No, I'm, thank uh, you so much. This was so great. glad to okay. meet you. Time for this week's micro action. Leveling up your coaching game is more involved than simply scheduling additional one-on-ones with your team. Here are some tips to help you get the most impact from every minute you spend with your reps. First, prepare pipeline reports and other data ahead of time so that you can focus on engaging with your reps and strategizing instead of looking up stats. Second, create trust with your reps so they feel comfortable talking about deals and vulnerabilities while asking for advice. Third, set clear expectations of what you want to achieve during each one-on-one and let reps co-create the agenda so you can find out what's top of mind for them beforehand. Next, be transparent about what you're going to get into. Nobody likes to be caught off guard. And lastly, don't try to cover too much all at once. Instead, focus on one or two key learning opportunities in each one-on-one. Did you like today's episode? Subscribe now so next week's episode will be waiting for you on Monday. And if you really like the podcast, please leave a review. Five-star reviews go a long way to help get the word out there. And if you're not ready to give a five, check out another episode and see if we've won you over by then. And if you have any feedback or you want us to interview one of your favorite revenue leaders, just email us at reveal at gong.io.